0: This episode is sponsored by Luminous Creative Agency. Headquartered in downtown Providence, Luminous works with businesses and organizations to enhance their marketing efforts by developing high-quality creative content such as video, ad campaigns, design, branding, and more. You can learn more by visiting luminous.agency. That's L-U-M-I-N-O-U-S.agency. Welcome back to the Hey Roadie podcast, where we take a deep dive into the ocean state and the people that make it great. And this week, we are trying out a new intro style. And as always, we are your hosts, Nick and Sasha.
1: Hi, guys. We are so excited for today's episode. We have Maria Taco from the Providence Flea on. Uh, We had a great discussion about the importance of shopping local and the upcoming holiday markets they have. It was really cool getting to learn more about the all the moving parts that go into hosting such a big flea market
0: yeah that was the thing that kind of surprised me caught me off guard off guard off guard about the whole thing um was just the amount of planning and the things you wouldn't think of when you're just going to the flea like where can people park and how how can we fit all of the food trucks mm-hmm. and you know just trying to organize an event that large isn't something you really think about when you're just attending that kind of event.
1: Totally. And Maria really does it like a champ. She has it down to a science. Um, We really loved getting to talk to her and getting to know more about her history and and why she brought the flea to Providence. Um, We do talk about some fleas during the podcast that um, may have passed, like the Black Friday Flea, but I'm going to tell you the ones that are still available. There's Friday Night Fleas on December 3rd, 10th, and 17th from 5 to 9 at the Farm Fresh Market Hall. And then there's the Holiday Markets on Sundays from December 5th, the 12th, and the 19th from 11 to 3 at the same location, Farm Fresh.
0: Yeah, and uh, sometimes we'll have to do these kind of updates at the beginning because uh, <laughs> our dirty little secret is that we have to pre-record some of these we things. We
1: don't tell anybody.
0: Yeah, just yeah, just keep it our secret. Um, but with all that said, I hope you enjoy this episode, and I think you're going to love Maria Taco.
1: Yeah, just like we did. Have fun, guys. Yeah. Hi, Maria. Thanks so much for coming in. Hi, good morning. How you doing? I'm great today, Thanks. So we found out on the way over here that Maria actually lives in Warwick, um, close to our uh, office, but you grew up in Cranston, so not too far.
2: Not too far at all. No, I grew up in Cranston and then I left for college um, and stayed in Boston and Cambridge for Mm. like the next 10 years. What did you, so where did you go to school and what was your major? Uh, I went to Boston College, and my uh, major was business administration with a concentration in marketing.
1: Oh, so that ended up working out really good. So that, that <laughs> uh, ended up working out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. We've been noticing a lot in, like, other podcasts that we've had, like, the interviews we had, that, like, everything, like, is foreshadowing what's going to happen <laughs> next, which is, like, so cool. Yeah,
0: and it's kind of cool to have you actually doing something that, like, utilizes mm. your your college. There was... I'd say we're like 50/50 on people that like went to school for let's say well, something Mo- to do with medical yeah. and then now they're doing like marketing and influencing. Mm. And it's like they're doing something that has nothing to do with their what they went to school for. Right. So it's kind of cool that you're actually using mm. what you well went to school so for.
2: you know I think um I'm a bit older than you guys and I I think what you'll find as as you sort of um travel along your the trajectory of your career mm you usually end up coming to a point where you're doing exactly what you had always wanted to be doing. Uh, it's just now you're in a position to actually do it. Mm. So maybe, you know, at at the beginning of your career, you're kind of, um, on a, you know, a trajectory to sort of climb to the top of whatever your industry is. Um, and then, you know, I think as you get a little older, you start thinking about retirement, you're like, what can I be doing next Mm. that, um, really encompasses all the things that I really enjoy doing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, how can I make that work? And that's kind of what happened with me.
1: Mm. Now, you went to school in Boston. You lived there for 10 years. What brought you back to Rhode Island?
2: Well, so actually, um, there were two breaks in between there. Um, right after graduation, I worked for a year uh, in downtown Boston for the Bank of New England, which is no longer there. Mm-hmm. Um, and i ended up taking a year and a half off and i traveled cross country with some friends oh so fun yeah and we landed in uh well we landed um very intentionally in uh vale colorado and we stayed for a year and we were sort of ski bums oh for that's a year. so cool
0: yeah. that is cool yeah and
2: then i made my way back and um and i got a job with an international travel and tours company and with that company i was able to do all of my International travel in my twenties. Oh, awesome! Um, so I started with them as a copywriter, and uh, I got to go to all the different language schools um, to write about the, uh, you know, the school and the areas that they were in. So that was, um, let's see, France, Germany, Italy, Spain. Wow, Portugal. Did you have a favorite um, place? <clears throat> There's so many. Uh, <laughs> it's a hard question. It's really a hard question. And, I, you know, living there, I was able to travel even more mm. um, because I was in London at the time with my, um, my partner who also worked for the company. Mm. Um, so we got to do a lot of international travel then. And then, you know, I came back. Um, I started freelancing. And, um, and uh, well, actually, before that, when I was working for that company, we moved our publication offices to to London, Mm. and my boss asked me if I would open the London office. So um, my partner at the time, he and I traveled to London, and we lived there for about a year and a half. Mm. Um, And I left there as the publications manager for that company and um, did some freelance for them when I returned home. And then I eventually moved back. To Rhode uh, Island. Back to Rhode Island in my early 30s Mm -hmm. um, after having – uh, done a completely different job which was um i was a i was the managing editor for um this harvard quarterly magazine mm. um for a 35 year old indigenous rights organization called cultural survival oh wow they actually do um their cultural survival bazaars at Tiverton and four corners okay oh um, wow that's cool it's all indigenous crafts and things mm. and um i actually was uh managing their quarterly magazine and then um when their uh executive director left i they asked me to stand in um, as the managing director of the organization which i did for two years and then i left (laughs) and um you know came back to rhode island i wanted to buy a house with my partner at the Mm -hmm. time and um you know we were living uh right in harvard square um, on craiggy street our neighbors were you know julia child what uh the rockefellers lived down the street so so it's it's definitely um it's a it's an area where there are lots of celebrities a Mm. lot of the um uh you know just just so many um really important people Mm. who um either are you know, teaching at Harvard or, you know, moving through the, the Harvard community for all different reasons. And Julia Child just happened to live in Harvard Square. Um, did you meet her? No, I never met her, actually. No, I, I never did. Um, but, you know, there were so there are celebrities uh, there mm-hmm. all the time. You know, they do the Hasty Pudding Awards yep. and they've always got a celebrity in for that. Um, but it was just a really exciting time to be there. Um, but, um, yeah, so I... Came back to Rhode Island because at the time I couldn't really afford anything in that area. Yeah, especially
1: know. to buy like a house in right. Boston is yeah. so expensive. Well, so
2: even back then, and this is like this is like going back like twenty five years, mm-hmm. uh, the house that I that we loved uh, went on the block and um, went up for sale on the block, and it was like a million two eat oh well, that's it just get two of them. <laughs> i know right and i was like oh my gosh that's uh i you know we just had no clue because we were living in a building where we were renting but yeah. it was like right in the middle of this gorgeous neighborhood this very affluent neighborhood so um that was really a lot of fun and then came back to rhode island i um bought a two family on the east side nice i lived right above Lippet park oh um, that's so cool yep uh, it's right, a really nice area yeah so at the time um it was uh, Chase Avenue, and where India, the restaurant, is mm. spoken like a true Rhode Islander. Um, <laughs> using well, at least you didn't say where it used to be. <laughs> well, I was just about to say it's where the Bumblebee Cafe used to be. There you go. Oh, uh, and then you know they went out of business. I don't know what happened to them. But then uh, India bought it, moved in, and that was uh, uh, that was our go to place. Oh my God, that's I,
1: I live in that area now, and I go to it's too many times. I think one week I went to India three times. <laughs> because I like did was refusing to go to the supermarket and then you know by the time it hits like Wednesday or Thursday you're like okay chances are I'm going to go out on the weekend so I'm not going to go buy dinner for two days so I was like India yeah. hi yeah and i think the waitress was like i saw you yesterday
0: right? do you live
1: here now? and i'm like yes i do i can't i can't leave i cannot leave um no but that area is super cool um did you choose warwick because there was homes available or did you like the area when you ended up buying um
2: so uh i had my own business at the time when i was on the east side um i ended up selling out to my partner and uh met my uh would-be wife Mm -hmm. Uh, we started dating and um after a while we wanted to you know look for some place together um her mom happened to live in the neighborhood. She was like our number one uh real estate agent. Oh, she was starting awesome. to like you know look for houses for us and she found a house just like a mile from her, mm. and it was the first house we looked at. And after about thirty more houses, it was the last house that we ended up making a, an offer on. Oh,
1: that's awesome! Yeah. And you've like been that's
0: there. That's what should always happen when yeah. a parent's looking for a house. They're like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, straight. I just happen to find this one that's <laughs> right up the road. from <laughs> Right, point. exactly. It's right down Weird the street. how that works. Very
2: convenient. <laughs> uh, Very convenient. We can see each other all the time now. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, luckily, I love my mother in law, so. um you know, that that works out really well. Mm, that's really awesome.
1: Um, now, for those people who are listening and maybe skipped over our intro, um, Maria is the founder and the managing market director. Is that the correct? Or? Market manager. Market manager. Okay. Um, of the Providence Flea, Yay. which is like such a staple. Before we started recording, I was basically... Just going on and on about how obsessed I am with the flea, because it really is like so much fun. um I had the privilege of um interviewing Maria for our um a recent magazine, and I got to learn a little bit more um and you started the flea because or you were inspired by the flea because of another flea you went to in new york um, and I'm just right. cu- I'm just curious like what if you can like expand on that a little bit.
2: So um uh, I mentioned in the in the interview for the article that um I've always been drawn to community markets, outdoor open-air markets and I always seek them out um when I'm traveling or you know most major European cities have a market like this um more of a flea market. This is kind of a sort of reimagined flea um and it's a a model that I, you know, tried to um emulate from the Brooklyn Flea which was the the flea that I went to that sort of inspired me to, to start this. Um, and I, you know, when I first went there, it was just cause I really wanted to see it. I've been reading about it in, you know, real simple and other magazines and New York times. And, you know, they climbed to like, uh, timeouts, top 10 list of things to do. And when you visit Manhattan, they're not even in Manhattan. Um, <laughs> so it
1: must be really good. Then. <laughs> so it must be really good. Right.
2: And, uh, you know, I just followed the, the founder stories, which were really interesting. One wrote, um, for a blog called the brownstoner, um, in Brooklyn. And the other one was a communications, uh, director for a local politician. Um, and they came together and decided to have like this yard sale because one of them was, um, you know, rehabbing his, uh, his brownstone mm-hmm. and, uh, had a bunch of architectural salvage that he wanted to sell and he put it out in his blog and he had this like incredible turnout and that gave him the idea to start this sort of community market. And, um, A Catholic school playground. Mm. Um, And for him, I think it, for them, it sounded like it was just like striking a match. It was something that the community instantly embraced and uh, started to grow and grew in popularity. They got a lot of um, press around it because it was this sort of new idea. Um, There had been the, you know, sort of old vanguard of markets, uh, you know, in Chelsea and some of the other places in Manhattan where. You know you'd go and you could find like a mid modern chair and mm. you know an antique base and you know uh you know a uh, oriental rug or asian rug rather um and um I think they also really uh enjoyed that atmosphere and wanted to recreate it in their own neighborhood mm. um and it just sort of blew up into this really internationally renowned market like mm. up there with a lot of the the very, you know, decades old, maybe sometimes centuries old markets in in Europe as well.
1: Now, you started in, and you can correct me if the date is wrong, but around 2013 with the Providence Mm Flee. Do you feel like you were just talking about how the Brooklyn flea had a lot of community support and it kind of blew up. Did you have that same experience or what was like, how was starting the flea in such a small state with such a tight? So, I mean, obviously our community, I love our community, but I know sometimes they can be a little tough to like, you know,
2: break through. yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I'm just curious of like what that experience was like, how you, made it through that and came out on the other side as like now being as successful, um, at least from an outsider's point of view, very successful, very well known. Um, so yeah, the beginnings of that journey, what was that like? Yeah. Um, well it,
2: um, I started it in June of 2013. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, created a business plan. I talked to some other, um, you know, sort of luminaries in the, in the community who had done events or were in marketing and, um, communications. I ran it by them. And, you know, once you actually kind of put it out there, you sort of commit yourself to following through. Yeah. With it. <laughs> once so, people know
1: about it, you can't back out. <laughs> right. Right. So
2: I started telling people cause that was going to sort of push me to take the leap to do it. Um, I worked with, uh, then, um, a friend who, Um, Actually, Joanna Detz, who runs um, ECORI Mm. News. Um, She's also a graphic designer. She helped me create my first logo, um, created a postcard for me. I had um, sort of immersed myself in the creative community. Um, I was, you know, attending a lot of events at AS220 and, um, you know, just visiting different shops and things that I thought would make good vendors for the flea uh built a email list of about 200 people sent my uh postcard out had my business plan all lined up and said you know we were going to s- start and do this every sunday from june through um august mm. and i was surprised that people actually responded and they started to sign up and oh that's awesome back then i just had sort of ex- um excel spreadsheets on my wall of like who was coming when and who who needed to be invoiced and who paid and whatever it was very very much a sort of um, very small potatoes kinda, mm. um, production sort of uh, um, so effort. it's supposed effort, to start. Effort, yeah. It, it should start that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, it's really it definitely- you get through the growing pains. Right, and, definitely yeah. ground up. And, um, you know, I I was in marketing communication, so I, I knew a lot of people in the, pra- in the Rhode Island press because at the time I was working for the lieutenant governor. Mm. I was her communications director. Um, And uh, I got a lot of coverage, you know, the Saturday before the flea or the Sunday morning of the flea. uh, We got like a half page of the style section, which is no longer in the Providence Journal before it was taken over by the media company that owns them now Mm. um, with some, you know, photos of some of the vendors who are going to be there. Um, we started on that first June Sunday with only about 30 vendors Wow! and um, it was also like striking a match. I mean, I flyered everywhere. I had ads out everywhere. Um, I, you know, I was telling everybody about it. I was dropping postcards everywhere. And
0: uh, very much like a guerrilla marketing. Kind yeah, of totally. Yeah. yeah,
2: definitely. You know, just sort of um, boots on the ground kind of thing. And the the response was overwhelming. I mean, we had such a great turnout. Um, I actually was criticized <laughs> for uh, overselling the market. Oh, so no! <laughs> somebody actually came and said, you know, I thought this was going to be a lot bigger. Like, where is everybody? You know, I thought this was going to be like, you know, whatever. And I, I was, you know, I said, this is our very first this one. This is our first
1: one. And honestly, like the fact that you had 30 vendors at your first market, that actually surprised me a little bit. I would think, you know, oh, maybe like 10 yeah. Right. Because like then they're, they're not I feel like and you can correct me if I'm wrong, like having like one centralized place for makers to sell their products. I feel like before the Providence flea, I feel like there's probably like smaller ones, like more neighborhood central kind of ones, but not one where like everyone, people from all over Rhode Island can come and be in one spot. So the fact that you were able to get 30 vendors for your first one, <laughs> that feels pretty like successful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I was so.
2: happy. I was happy with the turnout. Um you know it happened to be the almost the same 30 vendors for most of the summer mm. you know we picked up a few here and there uh but it um you know now the vendors rotate every week we have about 350 wow. vendors participating yeah just over the um fall and winter market so
1: That's insane.
2: Yeah, it's been great. I mean it's uh it's been a long road but um how much of that rewarding. original
0: challenge was and maybe still is location. Like finding where you were going to do it and then like where uh, you're at um, Farm Fresh now, Mm -hmm. correct? And then, you know, you've been in a few different places and it must have to change depending on how many um, people are there selling. Like that has to be a huge challenge. It has
2: been a a really big challenge uh, because we need a lot of space, like 16,000 square feet of space. Wow and um the way i landed on where we are now uh before the bridge was built before <clears throat> plant city was there before a lot of the stuff that is happening down there was was there um it used to be my walk from the state house on my lunch hour um i would just you know go all the way down to the point street bridge and back and i was, had this idea of having this market in my mind and i kept thinking where can i have it where can i have it and then you know as i'm walking by this this little strip of grass i thought is this big enough? Maybe this is big enough. (laughs) Doing Um, math
1: in your head, like, how many square feet is this? Yeah, and there's no
2: sculpture there. There There's actually a helipad, and I knew it was a helipad because I had seen a helicopter land there while I was, you know, walking back and forth one day. Um, And so I did a little poking around. I asked the city. I met with Art, Culture, and Tourism and said, you know, I'm going to fill out this, you know, event application. Um, I think I'd like to have it here. And they uh, were excited about the the idea of the market, but they said, you know, we, we want you to be successful and we really don't think you can be successful in that location. Um, You know, it's the, it's the back of a bunch of buildings. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no natural foot traffic down there. Uh, You know, South main street has been trying to do spring, spring markets and spring events and they're having a lot of trouble bringing, you know, anyone to that area. Um, So, you know, we think maybe you should think about another spot. And um, at this point I had gone down there with my brothers. We, you know, we mapped the whole thing out. Yeah. I'm like, I can fit this many vendors. And I said, you know, uh, if you let me use this parcel, um, I, I guarantee you, I will be able to bring people to the market. You know um, let me worry about that. Cause that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And you just worry about the permitting and, and let it, you know, figure out how I can use this. And so they agreed. Um, when I found out mid, mid summer was that um it's actually not city property it's um it's a parcel of land that is under the purview of the 195 commission so when they moved the 195 ramp and opened up all that land for development they added this little parcel you know in with it and so i had to go to the 195 commission and ask them if i could use it um they decommissioned the helipad Mm -hmm. um they didn't uh they didn't want you know us to be having a market with hell you know yeah helicopters landing in the middle of the market <laughs> excuse me uh, let d- me just yeah. land <laughs> my <laughs> helicopter get out, get out of the way <laughs> that's right everybody back up uh, so they put a big X on it and I kind of used that as a sort of a uh, a marketing kind of gimmick where X marsh you know, spa <laughs> oh <right>? that's so <laughs> that's cute yeah. I love that so we had like an over you know a, a bird's eye view of it um, mm. and um and so I uh, I I was able to use it. Uh, you know they leased it to me i had a lease agreement with them i still do but every year they were looking to um market and sell those properties cuz they need to de- develop them as part of the mm-hmm. deal with the us department of transportation who they bought the land from mm-hmm. so um you know i'm always on eggshells wondering is this the year that they're going to oh. develop and um they've had a co- they, they've had some interest in it the most recent Um, was the boutique hotel that they've wanted to put there. There are some Boston developers who have come in. They actually put a bid in. Um, I think the application after several years is still held up um, in the uh, Coastal Resources Management Council Mm. because it would require... Uh, quite a few variances and waivers for them to actually build so close to the water on such a thin mm. strip of property. Yeah,
1: because it's—I mean, it's big, but it's small for like a building.
2: It's only fifty feet wide at yeah. its widest in the middle, and then it sort of gets skinnier mm. and skinnier, like thirty feet at the at the ends. Yeah,
0: it's kind of—it would be like one of those. Um when you're up in Boston, the like the old areas of Boston where like the buildings just kind of almost come to a point, they like used every
2: flat iron in New York. That's yeah. what I thought. That's the only kind of yeah. could put there. Um, but they, you know, they had a design and um, the 195 commission was uh, pursuing it with them. Uh, but I think it's um, my understanding is that it, it will probably be rejected by the the CRMC. They, the CRMC, like there's
1: probably one person at the board is like, all they do is go to the fleet and they're like, we cannot let the fleet leave this location. It's not happening. Well, hopefully that's the case. Yeah. So I have,
2: um, sort of not really officially and not in a very assertive way. Um, until now I'm thinking about more assertively trying to convince maybe the governor or the next governor that, you know, this property should be turned into a park mm. uh, because it's sort of a natural extension of the parks that they've built on both sides of the river now um, around the bridge. That was also part of that that um, deal with the DOT was that they had to create seven acres of parkland on either side of the river. So there's two acres on the side that we're at, and now there are f- f- about five acres of park um, that they're still developing on the um, the west side of the river. Mm-hmm. And just like Boston has their emerald necklace, right? Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, walk around the city in a loop and be in green space the whole time. I just feel like this should be our green space from the Roger Williams Memorial Park mm-hmm. uh, near the State House, you know, all the way down past RISD to the Riverwalk, uh, past this little 195 strip where the flea is over the bridge and back down. Um and so, you know, I haven't actually made my case to, yeah. a- to anyone, but um, I I know that there are other uh, organizations and groups that feel the same way I do, that this, sh- this is not a property that really should be developed.
1: And I think in being someone who's lived in Providence for a while – and knowing that you started the flea in 2013 with such a, a a big success right from the jump after people were like, oh, there's no foot traffic down there. There's like, you basically created the trend of that area being fun and hip, right? Because like, if people weren't going there on Sundays and spending time there, they would never really know about the, the other stores like on South Main or the restaurants that started to come in. And, you know, they always say it's like, it's like dominoes, like things start to happen, right? So like you went in in 2013, people started being in that area more, Plant City came in. I mean, I'm sure that they looked at other places to build that restaurant marketplace. And I'm sure knowing that you were there on Sundays and bringing so many people, I'm sure helped in their decision-making. Same thing with the pedestrian bridge. And now the businesses that are now on the pedestrian bridge, there's the Guild, there's um, is it Tizzy K's, the ice cream place? Like Mm -hmm. all those places now have foot traffic because you brought it there, whether it's only from you or whether it's, you know, a bunch of things coming together, but like you, you are a big part in making that scene
2: so popular. Well, thank you. I can't take, uh, you know, credit for, for all of that. you know, the bridge was, um, was sort of in the makings for many years mm-hmm. uh, and that needed a push and, a, and that got a push from um, the building bridges organization mm. who really um, kind of set the fire under the the state to get that built mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, and got it built. Um, uh, you know, now I think it's, um, it's created, a, um, it it's it sort of generated a lot of excitement, uh, because of the flea being there and the plant mm. city and the popularity of plant city and you know the beauty of the pedestrian bridge which um was incredibly expensive but I think it was really worth every penny. Yeah. Um it has become a focal point in the city and really kind of um is achieving what it was intended to do which was to bridge both sides of the river, you know the east side with the west side and have, you know, um you know create that sort of walkway for people mm. to to get over to the, the side where the district is and the CIC, um, which is also bringing a lot of, uh, you know, interesting and, um, you know, that whole knowledge district now, uh, we're, we're really counting on the bridge and counting on that park, mm. um, to attract more talent, to attract more businesses to the area. Um, so I uh, I like to think that we're a little part in that. I know yeah. you know we we're, we weren't exactly the catalyst, but mm. um, in terms of um, you know timeline, we were we we were there before mm. any of that other stuff came to be. But.
1: Yeah, and I mean I I know you know you like you said you can't take full credit, and, and I totally get that. But someone who has been in that area, I have to say that you know the f- being at the flea and having all those people around makes even if you have no interest in going to the flea seeing all these people in one place makes you want to be there. Right. You know, why are these people there? Oh, Plant City. What's Plant City? What are these small makers and these little, you know, carts selling these goods? What this like, let's go visit this bridge. This It's all sort of puzzle pieces that Mm -hmm. have created this really successful area of Providence that, like you said, some people said, oh, you shouldn't put it there. It's not going (laughs) to be successful. So I think it's really cool to be part of that sort of like, like you said before, like your trajectory, like you are definitely a footprint in that trajectory of that area being so successful, um, which is like pretty awesome. Thanks. Do, do you, I know Nick brought up farm fresh and I'm, I'm a little, um, I guess, uh, I'm not up to date. So you're going to stay in that area for the summertime and then your winter fleas will be in farm fresh.
0: Yes.
2: Okay. So, um, we finished up in, uh, September this year, last year, we were able to go through mid November and we wanted to stay outside as long as possible because mm. of COVID, mm-hmm. Um, we had hoped to return to Waterfire Art Center, uh, which is where we had moved um, from Hope High School. We were actually doing it in their cafetorium. Mm. uh, And finally felt like it was, you know, I needed to upgrade the, you know, the atmosphere, the environment, the facilities. Mm. Um, And Waterfire worked with us uh, to make it happen. And I'm very grateful for that. They were wonderful partners to work with. Um, It's a it's a great organization. I mean, obviously, you know, it speaks for itself, Um, but we weren't able to return there because they were also, um, you know, dealing with trying to figure out their own programming. Mm. And so it was difficult for them to give us um, a start date that we could return um, on a regular basis. So they needed to make room for their programming, figure out their staffing as well and how they were going to run, you know, the art center during COVID and. You know, Farm Fresh had the luxury, not not necessarily the luxury, but they were not necessarily operating the business in um, the new Farm Fresh location um, at the time. So they weren't dealing with programming there. They just knew that they wanted to get their uh, wintertime farmer's market up and running by November. So they were, you know, building and strategizing and um, developing the market hall during that time. And they were a little ahead of the curve in terms of being able to accommodate our programming because they didn't have any programming Mm -hmm. except for the Saturday market. So um, reluctantly, um, you know, I left Waterfire, but I knew that Farm Fresh was going to be a great opportunity for us. And um, likewise, they've been wonderful to work with. A really great, great group of people over there. Um, They're doing, you know, just incredible things with that space and lots of those uh tenants that they will have in there that were on hold are now beginning to open up their shops the construction is you know really sort of um humming along and you know the brewery will be open soon new harvest coffee their cafe and spirit coffee and spirits bar is open that's your um, favorite <laughs> Love new yeah. harvest yeah um anchor toffee just open red's hot sauce is open oh um rights uh, dairy and bakery. Yep. Uh, they'll be opening up, um, probably closer to the spring. I think they've had some, um, some construction delays Mm. as many people are experiencing, but, um, so we're, you know, we're excited to be there. It's a purpose-built market hall. Uh, it has, you know, high-end filtration system. It's got like overhead fans. It's got Uh, These giant green garage doors that we're able to open, you know, to let more, you know, sort of air circulation Mm. come in really high ceilings, touchless uh, bathrooms. Oh, Um, cool.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's thematically it's kind
0: of right on point. Yeah, I I understand the the Waterfire Art Center, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, And also because Waterfire where your location is for the summer one, like it kind of just makes sense. But Mm -hmm. also farm fresh and for what they are and like the theme of the business kind of jives Mm. very very well and then the way that it's set up like you said they have the indoor space they have the garage doors the outside is all like the the paved area with the picnic tables and like it's kind of a perfect area for that too
2: it has been um and like i said we're really grateful to to be there through uh we'll be there through may actually so oh nice um we have a contract with them to finish out our indoor season there, and then hopefully we'll be able to return to south water Street. but now with the um the bike path mm. uh that may create some um parking difficulties for us we've got mm. like a a whole sort of conga line of food trucks and oh yeah, That's being true. able to sort of unload and uh, load up at the end of the day i'm not sure Mm -hmm. what that's going to look like but um i've had conversations with the city planner uh in the early stages before the the um bike path was uh, actually installed so i need to follow up with him and Mm. figure out if that's going to be able to if we're going to be able to return there for our 10th year anniversary fingers Uh, are crossed yeah thank you Um, (laughs) hopefully uh, hopefully and um Yeah, obviously we'll also have to check in with the 195 commission to see if it's available.
0: Yeah, I think that might be one of the, or I would assume that's one of the dangers of doing things in a city space outdoors, and it changes. And like you said, there was like the possibility of a building going in, and then infrastructure is going to change and it's got to always kind of keep you on your toes mm. doing that type of thing. Yeah. It's
2: pretty stressful. Um, <laughs> I, I, gosh, I <laughs> bet it is. Uh, you know, unlike a, a business who has a permanent location, mm. you know, you, you can, it frees up, you know, sort of headspace to think about other things like growing the business mm. and, uh, you know, advertising and um, expanding your, you know, your footprint, your vendor space. Um But every season, for me, it's been, you know, a challenge, um, anxiety-inducing, you know, (laughs) are we going to be able to go forward? A lot of times it would happen at the last minute that we'd get the approval from the school department to have it at Hope High School Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, at at the 195 Commission we've been told several times, you know, the building's going in, (sighs) we can't do it there. And then finding out later that, um, you know, they... uh, you know, the, the construction was not going to start in the summer, so you can use it through September or whenever. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely... A
0: little flying by the seat of your pants every <laughs> once in a while. I'm it watching. has
2: been, and that's been the toughest thing for me because um, I'm really organized mm. and very type A, and I need to have everything sort of, mm. you know...
1: Done and ready and... parsed out, mm. and uh,
2: it's really hard to, you know, to run a business like that.
1: Mm. Well, you're handling it really well. Even <laughs> while you're talking about it, I would be like pulling out my hair and, I know, right? <laughs> and you've got it together. It's that's, I mean, it's not only is it stressful that like finding a space, but not only your business is not solely like your business, your business is the business of promoting 350 different vendors with different products, different personalities, different wants, different needs. So like, that on top of that on <laughs> it that's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's a real lot.
2: Uh business to business to consumer mm. really is what it is. So I have two customer bases. My vendors are my customers mm-hmm. and also, you know, the shoppers and the followers of the flea are my customers. So um yeah, there are a lot of a lot of moving parts of to moving running parts. it, but also, you know, different audiences that I'm trying to please. Yeah. Um,
1: have you um, noticed, like with COVID? Obviously, I know, like in the beginning stages of COVID, and I think everyone was kind of like put out and didn't really do anything. But do you notice, like now that things have started to ease up and, you know, it's okay to be in one place with people, masks or no mask, however the um, protocol is, are you noticing that it's been a lot busier? Because I feel like ne- when I go to the fleet over the last few months, I'm like, Holy moly, it is it's so busy, which is amazing and i I have my own theories obviously, which are like I know everyone has been in their house for so long, and when over covid when we were like we need to make our small businesses work and be successful and yeah. now the flea is really like an avenue for people to do that to support small businesses in one place it's easy, you don't have to order anything online you don't have you literally park one place and you can go to a million different vendors at one time. Um, I don't know if you have any like.
2: Well, I think um, last year was a selling season like we've never seen. Mm. Um, And you're right. I think it's because people were cooped up. Uh, They were sitting on a pile of cash. (laughs) You know, people had uh, both um, savings from not going out. A lot of people had assistance from the government Mm -hmm. for being out of work or getting laid off. Um, And I think people were just dying to come out and spend some money. And and the flea really is, um, you know, it's a it's sort of the intersection between being a gathering spot and being uh, a marketplace. I mean, Mm. vendors come out to see other vendors, Um, their followers come to chat with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I have friends who have become friends meeting them at the flea. Mm. And so I think people saw that as, like, their Sunday gathering spot, and they really wanted to come out and see those same people and reconnect with them. And um, it's just a fun place to be on a Sunday. There's a Mm. a lot to see, a lot to do. There's so
1: much going on.
2: There's a lot going on. There's new
1: food trucks, especially being in that pedestrian bridge area. You know, when you're done shopping, you get to have, like, a cool view of the city. You know, there's... If you go over the pedestrian bridge, there's a bunch of other, like, restaurants, coffee shops, businesses. So you can really, like, it's a whole day in one little area. It's, you know, it works out really well.
2: And so it was, uh, you know, it was just a a gangbusters summer for vendors, uh, too, I think. Um, And and difficult because it'll be a really tough act to follow because now things are sort of pulling back a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, uh, I read in the news that consumer spending... You know, their confidence has sort of waned a little bit, um, you know, with the variance, with the winter coming on, you know, um, with, you know, changes in the way we we live and work. Um, A lot of people aren't going back to work. Um, So I, I, you know, I think we'll see a slowing. And then I think probably we'll see another surge for the holidays starting with Mm. this month. Uh, For us, you know, the fall is kind of a shoulder season. Um, I have to have the fleet every week to keep it going, to make it a year round event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think during the fall, it's also difficult because people are out doing harvest festivals and apple picking and, yeah, you know, hay rise and, you know, whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's hard to compete with that, especially because, you know, Rhode Island is such a small state. Providence is a relatively small city. It's not like, you know, having a, a market in the middle of Boston where mm-hmm. you've not only got like tons of uh people and money you also have a lot of transients a lot of oh, tourists, yeah,
1: tourists exactly
2: you know year-round mm. so um they constantly have new people coming in new faces mm. new purchasing power mm-hmm. um which we, you know we don't necessarily it's have a,
1: it's a lot of local people
0: yeah. for the flea yep well, and it's helping too that uh things like the pedestrian bridge um are adding to the walkability of the city. Sure. And that's something that Boston has, plus the fact that there's the subway, less people, obviously there's still a ton of cars, but less people drive every single day as part of their commute. Mm -hmm. More people in Providence are driving. Um, So in some place like Boston, having a uh, a farmer's market or an outdoor market of any kind, more people are just going to walk by it. Right. Because Mm -hmm. part of their day-to-day, say you put it somewhere near a train station, 50,000 people are walking out of that train station every exactly. day. Uh, there's not really a single spot like that in Providence. So uh, I think that area is really good because it's an area that people want to walk around where mm. you are right now outside. Um, and there's not a lot of those, but it is getting better, I think, in Providence.
2: I agree with that. I also think there's a lot more industry and the economy is very different in places like you know Boston and even – you know Connecticut, um uh, obviously New York mm. uh, but there's you know there's just a lot more money there, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. as you say, Nick, a lot more people. so I think you know, um, Providence constantly has this influx of people coming here and creating new things. Um, you know, we benefit from from brown, from RISD, from Jay Wu, and they're constantly pumping out new entrepreneurs, new artists, mm. new um you know culinary professionals. So we we benefit from like a new restaurant, you know, every it seems like every couple of weeks there's yeah. a new restaurant opening. <laughs> um, you know, my question always is, um, what is the sustainability for those new businesses and, mm. and restaurants and um, you know, what is Rhode Island's industry? Um, you know, f- primarily it's tourism. Mm. Uh I know the you know, the state leadership has been trying really hard to attract um you know, uh more high tech jobs, uh with an, you know, creating and developing the knowledge industry. Mm. Um uh, you know, with some of those um some of the more high tech um companies that are coming in across the river, you know, certainly that's going to help. Mm-hmm. Uh but, you know, I, I think Providence could definitely use another hundred, two hundred thousand people to support all of the good mm-hmm. ideas and um you know, events and businesses that are, that are, that are here mm-hmm. and that, um, continue to develop here.
0: And we also got that influx. Uh, I actually think we were talking about this in one of our last, um, podcasts, but f- just from, uh, COVID to, um, a lot of people realizing they can work remotely most of the time or what have you, and are moving out of New York or Boston and moving here because they still like living in the city, but, mm-hmm. Maybe somebody that lives like where I live in northern Rhode Island doesn't think of Providence as affordable. But if you move there from Boston or mm. New York, it's definitely more affordable than those. So we're we uh, even though some of those people may hop on the train and go to Boston during the day on the weekends and stuff, they are still milling around the city and doing things here. Uh, so even though that's not part of the industry, it is increasing the amount of uh, just like residency in the city and the amount of people that are willing to kind of wander and uh kind of spend their money in in state which is good
2: yeah no that's a good that's a great point and actually. i
1: think too like we were we've been talking here and outside of this particular um conversation is like especially providence the culture in the community and like what those things mean like jobs, finances, all that stuff is like constantly changing. We're like, like you were saying a place like Boston is pretty much like always going to look like Boston. We're like Providence because it's a small state filled with different universities. We're trying to get more high tech jobs here. Like it's like the Providence that's now versus the Providence that was two years ago are completely different, like not even close to being the same. So with like you were saying, Nick, over COVID, you know, when people were like, we don't want to live in these expensive cities, we're not going to. So hoping is that that, that's a positive thing for us. And that does bring more people to, um, you know, things like the flea and local restaurants and local um, places. I do have a question though, that I've been dying to ask, and I'm (laughs) going to ask both of you. It's not, it's not a serious question. In no specific um, vendor names, But when you go to a flea, whether it's Providence Flea, the Brooklyn Flea, a flea in market, and I'm going to ask you this question too, Nick, so start thinking. What do you look for? Like, what's your favorite thing to buy at a flea? Like, what are you looking out for? That's hard for someone
2: who loves to shop. I know, Um.
1: because I'm thinking about it myself and I'm like, what would would my answer be? I don't even know. But I'm, because I feel like when you go to a flea, there's always so many things you see and Mm -hmm. everyone has personal style and personal wants. Cause like for me, I see certain things and I'm like, no, that's
2: not really my thing. And then I look across the way and I'm like, that's my dream. So, well, you have to remember that um, that the flea is a juried market, mm. so there's an application process. Mm-hmm. And um, while well, you know we have input, I kind of get to choose the vendors. So um,
1: all of the vendors are your favorite. So all the vendors <laughs> are my favorite. It's re- you
2: know, it's hard to say. I you know I wear their uh, their jewelry. Yeah. Um they're, you know, you're uh, repping them at all times. T-shirts, sweatshirts, yeah. um, soap, apothecary items. Yeah. Uh, I love the vintage vendors. Mm. I, I, you know, I'm, uh, I love to thrift shop. Mm-hmm. So, um, having the vintage vendors, I'm like the ultimate early bird shopper. It's like, you know, when they come in, they're like, all right, just give me a chance to set up. <laughs> you know, I'm already sort of picking through their stuff and, you know, asking, you know, what, what are you asking for that? And, yeah. Um, but you know, I I love them all, which is why they're there. Yeah, and I think um, it's what makes the flea uh, special is that it's a little bit of everything. Mm. You know, we're not an artist market. We're not a we're not an antique show. We're not a a real flea market. Flea market. Mm. We're more of an artisan maker, upcycled, recycled. Yeah. Um, thrift consignment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, art. Uh, th- there's just there's so much to. There's see. so many options. Yeah, we even have stuff, you know, we've got makers for pets, pet biscuits. Now mm. we've got Buns Bakery. So we're like the Sunday go to for babkas and
1: <laughs> we were talking about that recently, the babkas from Buns.
2: Amazing. We've yeah. got uh Mariellas, uh macaroons, French macaroons, mm. which we love. Um there's Gotef, which is this really interesting snack made out of uh Ethiopian grain mm. uh, called teff. And it's actually, it's really, it's delicious. Mm. Um, they're there every Sunday. Uh, and then, you know, we have the food trucks. Um, we've got New Harvest, who's doing, you know, um, signature coffees for us on the weekends. So, oh, cool. Yeah, they'll do for for our Halloween market on Friday night. They did like a wicked matcha tea with oh, like black whipped cream. And, so which, cool. Yeah, it was really, really oh cool. God, I'm so, sad I
1: missed that. Yeah. The flea just kind of gives it a little bit of a casual
2: well there's you know there's that element of being able to meet the makers <laughs> yeah right? totally so um everything is handmade uh or or vintage or upcycled. there's nothing new um mm. unless it's made by Them. you know a local maker mm-hmm. um so you know being able to meet the proprietor the designer uh you know the baker mm. um the apothecary maker you know mm. it's uh I think that brings a lot to the experience that, you know, you don't get at the mall mm, um, or totally buying something mass produced and not, not that there isn't a place for that. I mean, I like to say buy local first, mm. right? So, and if you can't buy it locally, then, you know, you have to go and buy it where you can buy it, whether it's a big box store or somewhere else. Um, but, you know, we try to keep the focus on local merch and mm. local makers and, and local vendors and, you know, that that's served as well.
1: So. Mm. Nick, when you go to a flea or, like, an outdoor market, is there something – are you, like, looking for the coffee? Are you looking for the vintage <laughs> clothes? Are you looking for the woodworking stuff? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I wouldn't say – well, I think it's kind of – it would depend on the flea. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm pretty open-minded when I go to the uh, – and I don't go a ton. Uh, I'll be super honest and say I've only gone to the PVD flea, like, twice, but it's because I don't live in Providence, mm-hmm. so – Uh, The time I do spend in Providence tends to be like nine to five, like during work hours, during the week. Um, But I've been a couple of times and I have been to quite a few like outdoor markets and stuff. And I like maker related items. Uh, I like leather working stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I like looking for anything with a patina on it. So I like things that are like brass or metal or leather Mm -hmm. or... Um, anything that can that ages nicely so i do like vintage stuff as well uh most of it is out of my price range <laughs> so every once in a while like if i do buy like even say a wa- like a real nice wallet or or something of that nature uh it's like once a year or mm, something sure. and I'll, like Treat have yourself. some money put aside for <laughs> it uh the i think the thing i've bought more than anything and it's just weird because i probably do more of that in like the fall uh is flannels Okay. <laughs> um, All right. I bought more of my flannels at like outdoor markets mm. than I have in stores, which is just weird, well, but it's true. Probably
1: because they're vintage and they're good quality and they've did yeah. the test of time. And they're, you know, we, there's a, you know, or branded sweatshirts too. Mm. I like those too. Yeah. yeah. We love a branded sweatshirt. Mm. Um, I, I be, I was telling you Maria that like I love going to the flea my husband and I like on Sundays we make a whole day of it and you know we park we get our coffee we start at one end walk walk through it go towards the pedestrian bridge come back do the whole thing over again um I have a few friends um our friend Jeff uh his business name is or his Instagram name is Pixel Palmer um he has some really Awesome artwork, and he's seen like great success at the flea, so we always like start there, chat with him, and you know sometimes we can't even talk with him because he's so busy. he does like the custom lino cuts and um he does like really fun and funky like designs and dish is it dish towel tea towels dish yeah, towels everything everything, yeah, so we always like start with him, and then we you know go towards the other places, but personally, I love the vintage stop like the vintage little sides that have like the cute. Uh, beaded clutch bag that you're like someone probably went to a really cool party with this bag and probably lived like such an exciting that bag could talk yeah exactly (laughs) if I could be like a fly on that bag during that time um so I love like the vintage um the little vintage places so you can find like a really funky like ornate frame or a cool like brooch to wear on a you know a jacket or whatever those are always my favorite.
2: Yeah. And I think um, for the holidays, that's uh, a big draw for people too, because they can give something that has, um, you know, a a story behind it, Mm. um, something that they know the person isn't going to um receive from anyone else it's, yeah, it's not like one of a like, kind right it's one of a kind not mm. likely to get regifted
1: yeah uh, and it's one know. of a kind without like nick said a lot of things can get very expensive when you want to get something special but when you can shop like vintage you can find these really cool like a really fun funky leather wallet that may be 25 years old and is a really good brand and still looks beautiful because leather looks beautiful the more it ages right and like you might not have been able to afford it otherwise so it gives people a cool opportunity to get these really awesome like one-of-a-kind gifts and stuff yeah yeah i'll definitely be utilizing the flea to buy <laughs> my holiday gifts this year that's for sure we
2: do a um, highly recommended yeah no you <laughs> wouldn't recommend
1: um we do like a swap uh at our company and it's it the kind of rule is to shop local and yeah. it's fun to go to places like the flea and like pick out like one thing from each place and like get it all packaged up and that's yeah. what i'm looking forward to that's a
0: good idea actually
2: <laughs> don't I steal like my that. idea I no t- it's It's a great idea because it also keeps local dollars in the local economy yeah right? so when you buy something <laughs> at a big box store it goes out to wherever that headquarters is mm-hmm. either here or abroad mm um, but when you buy local, you keep that money in the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it, that person is using it to spend money on other local goods, hopefully, and yep, uh, it makes a big difference.
1: Don't steal my idea.
2: I mean, I've don't steal
1: it. Well,
0: you can steal the local. Maria would like for no me to go, steal it.
1: but just don't go for all different vendors. Do like two vendors. I'm going to do yeah. like ten vendors. Well, I mean, I think
0: they'll pass like three. Well, we didn't have one last year. COVID. uh but past like three years before that it was it's something from frog and toad every yeah, time always well, our, our, our old office was right near hope artiste so frog and toad was right there sure. yep stop it was, it was easy to like, do but i like the idea of the getting someone at the flea it's a good idea yeah um,
2: we're gonna be there <laughs> you know supporting any local business is a good idea mm. whether it's one at the flea or somewhere else in the community mm. um you know every you know everyone needs our support right now it's yeah. really tough times it looks like we're not going to pull out out of it completely anytime soon yep um so if everyone does their part and buys local
1: my issue with the fleet is that when i go there i want to buy everything for myself
2: and not for anyone else right one for you that, one for me and I one have that you. problem like
1: the good thing with frog and toad is, is that's when that's not I, a
2: problem that's, that's not a problem, problem. <laughs> that's
1: not a problem you're right you're right but like when I go to like a frog and toad or a stock I live in that neighborhood so I go to those stores a lot so mm-hmm. I kind of know the inventory so I'm like I need to get this person a gift I know I'm going to go in there I know I'm going to get this gift when I go to the flea I'm like oh that shirt's cute for me <laughs> and then like I leave and I'm like oh shoot I never bought the present that i was supposed to buy there okay, that's a problem that's, yeah, a, that's problem. a problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll work on it i have to make myself better notes um so we've talked a lot about the flea and in your experience of the flea i want to know i'm just always curious about people's like favorite restaurants around the, the state because mm-hmm. i'm i like have a list of like people's favorite places that I may have never been to. So I'm just curious, where are you and your wife's like fave place to go for like a date
2: night or your favorite dinner? Yeah. So you're going to get me in trouble for naming names, but (laughs) um, you don't have uh, to. These names
0: are just some of many. Some of
2: many. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So um, I think... Probably one of my all-time favorite restaurants is the Boathouse in Tiverton. Mm. Um, We go to South Beach a lot in Little Compton. And um, we love going there. They have this award-winning chowder. And the the food's just great. It's a great atmosphere. It's right on the water. Great sunsets. We really love that for special dinner. Um,
1: Do you have a favorite, like, this is a safer question, I think. Do you have a favorite go-to cuisine, like Indian, Mexican, American, Italian? I don't, maybe that's uh, yeah. not a safer question. <laughs> it's not. You know, we
2: love, we love, it, just, we love food. Yeah. Which is a problem. We're mm-hmm. both Italian. Um, you know, our go-to restaurants on the hill are Panevino mm. and Massimo. We love them both. mm mm-hmm. um, for uh let's see indian food probably our favorite is kebab and curry me
1: too well kebab and curry in india are like neck and neck in india i like swap like i always say that i one night i get kebab and curry and then the next time i get indian food which is like three days later i get it from (laughs) india then three days later kebab and curry i switch and i have favorites from each place that Mm -hmm. i feel like they that is like their best thing so i i try to like spread my
2: love to both of them yeah i
1: love them both that's a good idea I know Uh,
2: you know they're just there's so many it's hard to it's hard to pick I I like some of the old guards like um we love cav too Mm, I love it there it's a good one especially Um,
1: during the holidays I feel like it's so pretty in there it's like it I mean it it isn't even decorated specifically for like the holiday season it's like mm -hmm. that all the time mm -hmm. but when it's like chilly outside and you go in and there's all those like pretty things hanging from the ceiling and the beautiful like deep tones of the uh, walls and the fun chairs and, yeah. oh, it makes me so excited yeah, for the so, holidays.
2: <laughs> and just, you know, there's so many new ones, too. It's really hard to, mm. it's it's hard to, you know. It's so hard. I mean, it's, it's Rhode pick. Island. We're known for our
0: food, right? Right. I
2: know. That's true. And I true. think we have a more vibrant scene than even Boston when it comes to food. There's just so much, in, concentrated in such a small area. And then we also have great restaurants around the state, like, you know, Siennas and mm. There are just so many. It's hard to...
1: Yeah, there's, it's it's funny because, like, when growing up, and I've said this before, like, growing up, I think we mostly went to, like, more chain... If we did go out to dinner, like, as a family, it was always at, like, a more chain sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And now, I don't even remember the last time because there's so many fun, cool, new, like, East... I mean, I live in Providence, but we go to East Greenwich, and there's a million new restaurants right. down there. Mm-hmm. We, we live near Hope Street, so we go to all those places. We go downtown. There's this, like every weekend there's a new place to go to there's a new place to explore and it's like it never ends yeah it's, <laughs> it's
0: yeah, an, there is always something new
1: it's intimidating it, not in, not in a bad way but it's like you know where do you go
0: yeah i get um i'm one of those people that if there's too many things even on like a menu <laughs> i'm like Can't just design. give me like four choices yeah <laughs> right. i'll pick one like if there's uh you go to like the really big like uh what's the joke it's like uh Cheesecake Factory has like 27 Uh, pages. Their menu
1: is like an actual dictionary. Which
0: is great if you go with a big party and everybody has different tastes. And you're just trying to kind of appease a group. But that can Uh, be overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, But for somebody like me who just likes food, I like everything on the menu. (laughs) Like I kind of like when you go to a place that's doing um, like the, like the, say the three course menu. Mm. And like you might not even have a choice. Here's what we're serving you. Mm. I'm like, all right, cool. I like that. I've
1: only, I went to, so uh, when my, when Brian and I celebrated our 10 year anniversary, we went to Gracie's and they have, it's the first time I've experienced this, which was so cool. They have like a tasting menu and it's, I think it's yeah. seven courses maybe. And I'm a vegetarian. He's not. So it was cool. Cause we got different things and it was like, it, like you said, Nick, it was actually like really cool to not have to think about it. Like it just yeah. got brought to me and I didn't have to ask any questions or like I didn't have to know anything. I'm just like, Ooh, what's this? This is exciting. And that's, that's, yeah, Especially if that's those that Wine pairings
0: too. Yeah, you know, different wine every couple of courses. That's true.
1: I'm not a big wine person. I was drinking like they have. I don't remember what the cocktail was, but it was like a very strong cocktail, and I was like, "Give me more of those." I don't know if this goes with this di- this dish, but it tastes really good. Um, but no, I love I love stuff like that. Um, do you in Warwick? Is there a place that you love like near your home?
2: uh let's see in warwick we typically go to uh sophia's just mm. down just down the street from here mm-hmm. we also love the shanty mm. we go there a lot uh which is more towards east greenwich but i think it's still in warwick um where else do we go around here let me think i think we a lot of times go into garden city because mm. we like um the um avios avios good yeah and we also like um what is the little one on the end um i know there's i know i
1: know this is not what you're talking about but it's near the starbucks yeah i don't know the name of it but um there's now an asia grill in in cranston and asia grill is a rest like a chinese restaurant from lincoln so that and you know, being in Providence, it's way easier to get to Cranston. So now I can enjoy my Asia grill in Cranston. It's so nice. I love it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess so if you're not too far from us here, you're also not far from like main Street in East Greenwich. Right. So all those fun little restaurants and you know, my favorite, uh, espresso martini in the state is uh main street coffee. Okay. over there, it's great.
1: Guys. I made an espresso martini at my house the other day because I haven't, I just got married like a month ago. Congratulations. Thanks. And, um, we, um, we got an espresso maker. So now like, I'm like trying to use an espresso maker in any sort of way. And I had a few friends over and I was like, guys, I'm going to make these. I've never made them before.
2: And they came out so good. Wait, didn't you just say you were going to celebrate your 10th anniversary?
1: Um, we celebrated our 10th anniversary of dating last March. Okay. We got married in October, but our plan is, is that we're no longer going to celebrate two anniversaries. We're just going to pretend the October anniversary is like that's it. Okay. So next October, we're going to be like, we've that makes been, it we've him. been together 11 <laughs> years and we've been married for one.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes it easier. And I also noticed earlier, it was the first time you nailed saying husband on the first shot. Yeah, I haven't been she doing keeps, it. Keep, she keeps saying boyfriend. Yeah.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. When so we didn't,
1: we didn't do like an engagement. Like we just went from like dating for 10 years to being married. So I didn't have that transition where I would be my like, fiance. My, fiance. my fiance. So right. I went from like, my boyfriend to know my husband. It's very strange. It's, it's a cool, it's a cool problem to have, but yeah.
0: it's, you know, you'll get there.
1: We'll get there. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Um, but yeah, I, um, we appreciate you coming on so much. We, Thank you for This has been me. so much fun.
0: Yeah. Um, and then, um, so any big events coming up is the easiest way just to kind of go on the website. Um, yeah, what's the so, best way to follow you and, and see what's going on?
2: Uh, well, one of the best places is to open the um, current issue of Providence Monthly. Oh, we, we got a plug! <laughs> or, hey, Rhodey, we have a <laughs> half-page ad that has all of the dates for our holiday markets and um, the fall markets in November. So basically, we're uh, we'll be at Farm Fresh every Sunday from eleven to three mm-hmm. uh, this month and next month up until Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll have our um, our Friday night markets. Um, starting with the Black Friday. That's night so. Market. I'm
1: so excited for that. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure you've done it in prior years, but this is the first year that I'm like. It's not. This is oh. our first. Oh, wait, okay, first good. year so doing I'm not Friday night markets. This. You're not cool.
2: So, uh, we had our Halloween market last week. We mm-hmm. do it. The, typically do it the last Friday of the month, which we've done through the summer. Um, so the next one coming up will be the Black Friday night market, and then we'll have, um, you know, three holiday Sunday markets and three Friday night holiday markets, mm. which we're doing with. Um, Rhode Island Cruising Cocktails. Oh,
1: I love them. Yeah, so they, oh, they're they, lovely. You know,
2: pull their little camper up, either mm. Rosebud or I think the other one's uh, Rosebud and maybe Marigold.
1: Marigold, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love, I love Rhode and Island they'll Cruising have, Cocktails.
2: Um, yeah, so for um, an age-appropriate audience (laughs) 21 plus plus. (laughs) uh they'll be making like hot toddies hot Mm. cider oh um, my god i can't wait hot cocoa spiked hot cocoa.
1: like going to an open market with local makers and having a hot toddy and all that stuff i'm like this is something that i can get on board with so
2: we're going to promote it sort of as like local is the new black
1: Mm, i love that that's awesome oh that's so that's so smart um well guys make sure you visit the fleas get any and all local you know, holiday gifts from local makers. The Flea is a great place if you're not sure what to buy someone. They have used books, vintage clothing, art, you know, teas. Like uh, Maria said, they have puppy and kitty memorabilia, collars, and treats and stuff. It's the perfect place to get all that stuff.
0: Yeah. And it's uh, providenceflea.com. Correct. And then is it Providence Flea on social or is it like PBD Flea? It is it's
2: Providence Flea on social. Providence Flea on social.
0: Go right, follow it. All right. Well, thank you for uh, joining us today. Thanks,
1: guys. Thank you. Have a good day, guys.